Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the first of our interlude episodes for the Old Ways podcast, Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle. It is no longer Blood Moon Rising, as the Blood Moon has both risen and set. And now we will be looking in for the next few episodes on the members of our coterie and perhaps some other denizens of San Francisco as they go about their business in this brave new world and we prepare for season two. I'd like to take this opportunity, as always, to thank all of our listeners and to thank all of our Patreon backers for your support, for your listening ears and your memes and general other items of encouragement that you've given us throughout the season. We genuinely couldn't do this without you. If you would like to join our Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash theoldwayspodcast, where you will find some other Vampire the Masquerade content there, as well as some other delights and deliciousness. I know our coterie is very eager to get into these interludes, so tonight we are bringing two of our members into the spotlight, and so, without further ado, let's have some introductions. To my right. Hi, this is Mike, and I play Marcus Voss of Clan Bruja. Yes, our favorite Bruja in the house. And last, but not least... Hi, this is Ali, and I play Katerina Bogdanovich of House Toreador. It is December 8th. It's been about a month since the events of the Blood Moon and your showdown with Lamb and Marcus's grand declaration at Elysium. San Francisco is in a bit of chaos. The human population has begun to settle down since the strange serial killer murders have stopped. Well, at least one of them. And it's no longer seething so much as it was over the last few weeks. Not as much unrest. The kindred population of San Francisco, on the other hand, is continuing to devolve even further into chaos. There is still no prince. Prince Velasquez has disappeared with some say help, but No one really seems to know for sure. William Mallet has stepped in as Prince Regent as he tries to wrestle the Primogen Council into some form of order. This is hard to do when half of them are dead or missing, but there's still the effects of that tainted heroin and the tainted blood supply running through some kindred and through some of the kind of San Francisco It's hard to know still what's safe and what isn't. And you still hear reports of Kindred dying in that horrible manner. If they get to Vince fast enough, 
or to others who've had the cure, they can be healed, but some of them just don't make it in time or they're too afraid to let anyone know that they've been infected or they don't think it's that big of a deal. It'll be fine. It's just a flu. So, in the midst of all of this, Marcus has begun setting up his his own independent section of San Francisco with help from the Anarchs across the bay in Oakland and some other friends in the territory around the docks. It's beginning to bustle with signs of life, unlife, and otherwise, though, Marcus, you have lost your office manager and your promising recruit to the union, and you also have a new, maybe permanent resident of your haven in one Miss Katerina Bogdanovich. So, Katerina, why don't you give us the setup of where you are? So, shortly after everything that's happened, Katerina will have had to move into the safety of another's territory. And that's a big deal for me. Because I don't deal with change well, and a sudden change like this is going to kind of throw me through a loop. But I will have definitely contacted Marcus for at least temporary shelter somewhere while everything's up in the air just to keep that guise of control even if that's not what I'm feeling right now and the bakery currently is just in Ray Ray's name as far as who's running it because the farm has been shut down and all nighttime activities have been shut down and I basically told him that I'm taking a sabbatical that like I need some time away because I've been working for too long it's the easiest way to it's the easiest way to explain my absence right and Cora has left after the traumatic events at the farm She told you she couldn't live with this anymore. And she understands that you did what you had to do. And that in your place, she probably would have done the same. But she can't stay in your city anymore. And so she's gone. Somewhere on her own. You don't know where. Ray Ray is understandably uh, a little confused when you told him that you were taking a break because you never take a break. But he's also been a bit excited for you because he thinks that you might actually finally have some fun. He, of course, doesn't really know what's going on, but, well, that's that's normally the case with Ray Ray. So on this particular night, in your new temporary or not quarters, you are waiting for a visitor. So, Marcus, how is your night going? I'm... Probably working through any number of logistics from kind of seeing where we are on the roadmap to securing the, the the district as a whole. And that means coordinating with any number of people from Oakland, some of my own clan that are here that have decided to move with me. Um, and then basically continuing to state claims in the sense that we're trying to keep the Camarilla presence out of those areas. And so we sort of have a, a 
a system of understanding, right? Um, we don't start fights, we end them in the purest of senses. And so we're not going to make the first move, we'll make the last move. Uh, and we do so with the idea that we snuff out any trouble. Because really, what this territory is about is about vampires existing on their own independently, no matter who they are. Um, it's less about being anarch and more about being vampire. And I think that's a, a, a nuance that I will want to make sure that within that first month, the, the people get. It isn't about burning everything down. And that might make some of the um, some of the bikers from Oakland a little less enthusiastic. But what I'll do to uh, buoy their hopes is just say that we know who the camera is. We know how they act and who they are. We know what they will try. And so it won't likely be long before they'll come calling and we'll need to use certain blood-given gifts to make sure that our message is sent. And so far, you haven't had to deal with much in the way of antagonism or outright intrusion into your territory because San Francisco is still in a bit of chaos. And as we know, the Camarilla is often fairly slow to move when they're trying to make decisions about what to do and how to meet their own needs and desires. And William has been so caught up in just trying to get the city back together that he hasn't had a whole lot of time to mess with you. Yeah. At least that you're aware of. You've had a few on the side of young Ventrue in particular, who've tried to step into your territory with a face of bravado, only to be quickly scared off by Fuzzy and his biker gang. That keeps their blood running hot. But otherwise, the chaos in San Francisco has been beneficial to you in your particular territory on a personal level. As you've been putting your pieces in place, organizing your territory, making your contacts because no one has had the real chance to do anything about it. And you've been able to use this craziness, this chaos, to bring things under control. Your sire has moved into your territory. You knew David would. Esmeralda came storming in the night after Elysium happened. She's made a home for herself here, down near the docks, acting as your chief of security. She spends most of her time in a particular pub, uh, fighting and enjoying it, and spending time with the Oakland Bruja. You've had kindred from all clans, mm. little trickles here and there, taking up residence in your in your territory. All of the Lasombra in town came with Jean once she announced she was working with you. There's not many of them, only about 12, but they're all here. And you have most... Well... Representatives from most of the clans here, except, well, Ventru. None of them have shown up. But most of the other clans, there's a few of them here. Um, so with with that sort of beginning of what we would call a domain, a some might call a, a barony, although I would not use the word, um, I suppose then that Marcus's next calculation would be to 
make sure that he has the coterie members in place. He understands that Alex is not going to move. And it actually plays into their overall setup that that they don't. And they need to stay where they are because their independence for lack of a better term is an excellent bait. And it was nice that Alex and Marcus got a chance to hash all that out before the blood moon rose. That said, though, um, his attention is going to turn to one Katarina as we have several unsettled discussions. And there is nothing better to settle discussion over than a meal and then perhaps a walk. And so um, when he darkens her doorway, uh, he'll be prepared to walk the streets of San Francisco um, because we must keep up appearances. We can't go wandering around like it's summer. Because that would look funny. So he can't go he can't go around walking like it's not December because it is. Uh, so uh, he'll prepare in that fashion. Then knock appropriately. Yes, on your nice wooden non-flesh crafted doors. So my doors don't give me the heebie-jeebies anymore. Fantastic. I'll have them replaced. Kidding. And I'll open it cuz it's Marcus would have let me know that he was coming anyway cuz he's been very busy. I would have. Good evening. Good evening, Marcus. May I come in? Of course. And I'll, you know, grand gesture sweep and step back from the door. I step inside. How are you finding the new place? Do you like it? <laughs> like, that's the thing, right? Katarina's used to her space. And it's not like I've gotten to add details of my own yet because I feel weird about the arrangement as it is and adjusting to what my new life is going to be. I do. It is very neutral. I cock an eyebrow. Neutral. Yes. There is much that could be done with the space. So it is almost an empty canvas, but not Spartan in its furnishings. Good. I was thinking we could take a walk. I'm a little hungry. I could eat. Good. I turn around and kind of absentmindedly open the door back up. Probably run my index finger just slightly down the wood there and say, nice door. And then step out. And if I were more vulgar, I would have flipped you off for that comment. But I'm not. So there will be a beat and I will grab my jacket and I will haul you out into the December air. And of course the jacket isn't for the cold. It's for appearances. 
Of course. So I'll lead us along through the neighborhood back towards not the docks per se, because it's further down, but the pier itself. Really, I'm going to be working from the northern end of the piers back towards the south, towards the the Oakland Bridge. And I'm doing this for two reasons, really. One is purpose and the other is effect. But what I am looking for is that San Franciscan who cannot help themselves. They must, must exercise, even at night, even in the cold. They must work their human body and blood. Um, because let's face it, I have a type. And if I am going to be hunting, I need to make sure all those juices are flowing before I eat. It's not difficult to find what you're after, Marcus, because even in the chilly December air, you're still going to find San Franciscans out jogging. You see a young woman in one of those tight running shorts with leggings underneath and a runner's jacket and some kind of wireless earbuds. Got her fanny pack with a bottle of water attached to it and she's running along the streets. Not a care in the world. You can see her breath crystallizing on the air in her exertion. And you can hear her heartbeat elevated even from here. It's a delicious sound. I very quickly move to erase the space between myself and Katerina. And then I'll sort of take my arm around her waist very abruptly and lean down into her ear and say, can you hear her? Can you hear the life in her? It makes me hungry. Why don't you and I go feast? Leads away. Um, So I'm going to fall into a sort of jogger's pace. It might be at first a little almost humorous because I probably slightly become a caricature of the person that I'm following. But to somebody as perceptive as Katerina, you might begin to pick up what I'm doing. And that's really when the sort of macabre tones come out. You realize that I'm not just matching pace with her, but I'm matching speed and tone and gait, and I'm completely mimicking her movements. And every so often, I'm picking up a step of distance. And so she can't ever hear me. She can't see me. She can't sense me. And it's really the smile on my face that's probably the most chilling. Like, Marcus is fully enjoying this part. He's at home in his playground, and he's found someone whose blood who he finds exceedingly satisfying to smell. And so it's like waking up 
on Thanksgiving morning. And there's a big turkey in the oven already cooking. And all you have to do, all you really have to do, is just go downstairs and eat. And so that's what he's going to do. But what he wants to do, though, is he wants to be a good steward of his environment, right? Your domain, your home is something one must cultivate. And so what he wants to do is get to the point where he can match pace and then get alongside of her. So that way she does notice him for just a moment. And then he'd just absolutely level her with entrancement. So she's forced to stop and look. And she's she becomes this enraptured, panting, breathing mass of human goodies for him to feast on. So, in order to use entrancement, you will need to make me a rouse check. Sure. That's a nine. Alright. So, in this case, she's human. And you're not enticing her to do anything she doesn't want to do. So, there's not going to be any contest here. She's immortal. She's no match for you and the innate power of your blood. So as you run up alongside her and she realizes someone else is there, she just slowly turns her head, just casually, to see who else is there. She makes eye contact with you. And she freezes. Just standing there, wide-eyed, chest heaving, sweat trickling down her face in the cold night air. One hand frozen at her side, where she was reaching for what looks suspiciously like a can of pepper spray. And she's just standing there. (sighs) 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 Breathing. And her heart is speeding up. I reach my hand out and say, Come and join us, my dear. And she starts moving towards you. I'm going to to draw her back away from the boardwalk, the pier walkway area where she's jogging into sort of the between spaces, those darkened corners and slight gaps between buildings where imagination becomes reality or horror. One can never say. And as I draw her back and take her hand and feel that sort of pulse beneath her skin where her heartbeat rests I'm going to take one eye off of my prey just for a moment and I'm going to make certain that Katerina is following us yeah I um, haven't been keeping up hardcore because I don't want to draw too much attention but I've kept you in sight the entire time Katerina have you ever watched another vampire hunt No. What are you thinking or feeling or experiencing as you watch Marcus hunt? Whether or not she's going to be dead by the end of this. Hmm. That's a very good question. So, Marcus, as you take one eye off of your prey, you see Katerina walking up 
she's a short distance away from you, but not too far away. Okay. I, uh, I pull the jogger closer. I can't help but keep me in their sights. They're sort of bewitched. And so I'll, I'll draw her closer as I would a friend as she will be friend to me and my date very shortly. And I'll sort of draw her closer and I'll reassure her that everything will be fine. Everything will be just fine. We'll be back to jogging in no time. She just nods wide-eyed. She can't take her eyes off you. So I'll pull the jogger close enough to where she's in sort of the space that a family member would would be in when they hugged you. But I'm going to keep my eye contact over her shoulder at Katerina and sort of slip my arm between the jogger's side and and their arm and sort of give a a motion with my finger to come closer. And then I'm going to double down on this whole thing and I'm going to bite that jogger right on the neck. Keeping eye contact with Katarina while I do it. And then I'm going to utilize something very wonderful, which is lingering kiss. Because I don't want her to be in any sort of pain. It doesn't cost me anything to do so. So I'm just choosing to make the bite of this bruja the most satisfactory um, sensory experience it can possibly be for her. So, Katarina, you see Marcus kind of gesture to you with his hand, and then you see a glint of red in his eyes and his fangs as he opens his mouth and he sinks his teeth into this woman's throat. And this jogger just kind of gives out a little (sighs) moan of pleasure and goes limp. I hold her up freely with an arm. Um, I'm only taking a very slight amount of blood from her. Um, But more what I'm doing is I'm making sure that Katarina closes that distance because I, I want her to take my hand. I almost sort of needfully gesture for her. And I will take that hand because I don't typically feed from a live victim when I'm more in a controlled environment. And you get pulled really close, really quick. And then I'm going to extend my arm and grab her waist and kind of sandwich the three of us together and say, dinner's ready. And because I'm also not one for unnecessary pain, I will also be using Lingering Kiss because especially since this jogger hasn't directly seen me it's not something that I necessarily want her to register completely what's happening so Katerina 
Your nails sharpen slightly as you grip onto her other shoulder and you sink your fangs into the other side of her throat. And there's another kind of ecstatic moan. Her eyes kind of flutter a little bit. She's very obviously not in control of herself. She doesn't understand what's happening, but whatever it is, she's very much enjoying it as both of you feed. Yeah, I think for Marcus's part, he wants to watch Katarina feed. I think he's very interested to see how she goes about it. Maybe even share a kiss or two over our meal as Marcus likely gets a little amped up at the thought of feeding with someone else. Well, since I've never fed with anyone in a direct sense like this, my eyes are definitely not going to be open for the initial bite once I'm latched on. Yeah, that's okay. So she'll just... She, she probably will sense the body shift just slightly because what I want to do is I want her to enjoy the experience of a hunt like this for selfish reasons, but I, I want her to enjoy the experience. And so if my, um, say, un, uh, my, <laughs> if my mouth finds her neck a few times during this process, that, that'll probably be good enough. And then what I really want to make sure is obviously that the jogger does not get drained um, because I don't know how often I've seen Katarina in the past month and so I don't know where she's at as far as her own personal needs but when you when you essentially assure someone they will be safe you don't want them to become unsafe so for both of you this is an intoxicating experience even more so for you Katarina because this is new to you This is the hunt, the experience that you've never even dreamed of doing, that never even remotely crossed your mind. And that kind of loosening of control for just a few moments as you feed alongside someone else, it sends a shiver up your spine just a little bit. And Marcus, for you two, this is a fairly new experience. Not an unthought of one. Or an unplanned one, even. But you've heard David describe some of his escapades in the past. He's not the quietest when it comes to his uh, liaisons. But you never quite believed him when he talked about how exciting it was. It can't be that good, right? He was just hyping it up. But it turns out, he was right. And so we'll make sure that the jogger can reasonably get to her, her feet. If not, then I will I will wait until we are properly finished. And then, because I have them around, uh, message someone to... Um, take her to a safe spot because there are two of you feeding this jogger is not going to be in much of a state to get herself home not under her own power i assume you both close up the wounds with your saliva oh yeah and she's just 
kind of half unconscious. She looks extremely pale. Happy, but extremely pale. You have to kind of lean her up against the wall as you call someone to pick her up. She's got her wallet and her fanny pack. You can figure out pretty easily where she lives and have an Uber take her home. Excellent. Oh, I uh, I make sure to find out where she lives. She doesn't live that far from the office, actually. I wouldn't think so. I make sure I, I, I just make a mental note of where her address is, just in case. I mean, you know, this sort of person, this sort of blood for me is kind of a, a top tier want. So really, all those, you know, all those, uh, all those athletes, all those runners out in San Francisco, you're my best friend. But yeah, after that, uh, I'm going to continue our walk towards the port of San Francisco, the building itself. And uh, I'll turn to Katerina to make sure that um, her visage is clean. There is uh, nothing of our jogger friend remaining. Katerina's in control enough. It's fine. Listen, I've, I've seen her in several states, so I'm just making sure. We don't want to walk down the boardwalk here and have someone confuse one or both of us as the Joker. So I'm just making sure. Being careful. We'll uh, we'll move down the, the the way because there is a special place that I would like to show her. And then I'll turn to you and say, "Did you enjoy it?" More than I would have anticipated. Good. Very good. I I've never done that before. Most of my um, well, most of that is done solo. It's a little easier to anticipate when you're just counting on yourself. But that's not the world we live in anymore. And so change is in order. But it's nice to hunt with someone. Next time you'll have to pick. Well, I can pick. But you might still have to lead the way, for lack of a better term. I don't... I'm happy to both hunt and gather. All you'll have to do is make the grocery list. I smile. That can be arranged. Excellent. Tell me, have you ever been to the port of San Francisco? No. It's an old building. The ferry building itself uh, has been around for quite a while. But it's gone through a couple of revisions... And luckily for us, it lays within the the, uh, territory we've staked out. And so the administrative building is something that we'll get a great deal of work out of. And some of the nearby buildings make an excellent place to convert. Property in San Francisco is awful pricey. Yes, it is. Fish into my pocket, a set of keys. Walk towards a door. Like a couple of buildings down from the massive port building. It's probably quite um, pretty tonight. As the lights in the port will be on, it'll be dark. And so there'll be this glow that comes off the building. And so we're just in the dim portion beyond those lights. In the shadows. With the rest of the predators. I'll open a door. And 
extend my arm into a dark hallway. I'll walk in. I don't really know where I am. I don't spend time down on this part of town. I come in, I step inside, shut the door, and then turn the light on. We're in a short hallway, probably no more than four or so feet wide. It's a little wider than a normal hallway. And then about 10 feet in, there's another door. And this one looks a little different. This one looks fairly sturdy. If you didn't know any better, you'd say this door is reinforced. And then I take out another set of keys, a key that is probably three or four inches long. And it's, it's got a, it's, it's in a strange shape. And I unlock this door. And then there's like this metallic on metallic sound, this kind of as I open the door. And when I open the door, you notice that it's like twice as thick as a normal door. It's not made of flesh. Is this a vault? Uh, sort of. I step inside and then turn lights on. And so you see a relatively uh, open space. There's not a ton of walls in here, but it looks like there's, it looks like a couple of walls have been removed. Like maybe they once were here and it's been remodeled. I shut the door and then I latch it behind me. And so I'll kind of scan the room a little bit and you'll get the sense that there's not an awful lot. Uh, There's some sparse furniture here. There's a couple of couches. It looks like, it looks like somebody took a studio apartment maybe two studio apartments and cut the wall down in between them, shoveled out all the bullshit and made like a single kitchenette area and then some couches and a table or two, some rec space. There's a lot of open floor in here though. And I say, this is where it's all going to start. A lot of stuff that's going to happen inside this room. Not just for Coterie, but for San Francisco. I've been putting together a fairly protected space to move away from the union offices. It's not safe for me to be there anymore. It's not safe for my fellow union brothers and sisters. So the loft is nothing more than a decoy at this point. Inside the reinforced walls here, we're going to have a lot safer space to have meetings. It'll also be a little better than, say, a a junky old cargo container. Hopefully Rom won't have to bring any garbage bags. If you want to say this is headquarters, this is kind of headquarters. It is a very safe space. Clearly from the almost vault-like door, yeah? I'm not taking any chances when it comes to William Mallet. No, I, I wouldn't think you would. I'll show you upstairs. So there's a staircase, kind of a bit of a pony wall that goes, that obscures the staircase on a back end of the uh, apartment here. And I head upstairs and I step into what looks like a regular old living space. This looks probably a little bit more like a normal bedroom, except that it's a, a little wider and it's a little longer, almost like the wall between two bedrooms has been removed and the space is taken up only by a single room. This is where you see Marcus's bed. 
and like all of his regular trappings from the house or the uh, the loft apartment above uh, the union offices. It's a little nicer done here, but there's a lot of space yet unfinished. So I'll walk to the back of the space uh, where there would normally be windows to look out onto the bay. And you don't see any windows there. You see what are basically like artist renditionings of the bay. And I'll say uh, it's not really safe to have windows back here. For obvious reasons. Yes. But I think you and I have to get some things sorted out. I think there's some unfinished conversations. I would agree. So I would like to put them to rest. And in the way I think it's best to do that is to do it a traditional way between vampires. We are who we are. And what makes us tick is our blood. And so I'd propose an exchange of that blood between you and I. One that will cement loyalty between the two of us and wipe clean any memories of any mistrust from before. And as you're saying this, it's a subconscious, almost human-like reflex where there's a sharp intake of breath without needing to breathe because I haven't ever thought about something like that before. And you probably know that to an extent. I know that you have your blank canvas, but I think you'd be safer here. And furthermore, I want you here. And while I was looking around, when you say that, my head doesn't quite snap over like my neck is going to break but I'm completely taken off guard you want me to stay here I mean I realize it's not uh, the most luxurious place not yet I'm not a man of luxury I'm not a man at all I'm a bruja. And so it would give you an opportunity as well to perhaps assist me in um, some of the more finer points of what it could become. I, I'm much more of a utilitarian and um, than an artist. Well, my art is far less in the form of decorating, yeah. The the apartment above the bakery was admittedly mostly put together by a fellow Toreador. I did not do most of that, that myself. Then allow me to lay it out for you. The entirety. Perhaps it's easier to see that way. I would offer you a spot here. One of safety. As much as any kindred could offer. Uh, A place here. A kind of gesture very um, suggestively to the bed. 
a place no other kindred could offer you. In exchange, you and I pledge to each other that we will be loyal in the truest sense of the word. That our blood will help craft this loyalty. This new union, in a sense. In exchange for this, you will find your muse. You will have space to create your art. Whatever art that may be. You must know that the kindred of San Francisco are suffering because of a lack of clean blood. The heroine is not off the streets here. It is still infecting vampires. It is still killing them. The people of this, the people of, of our space must have access to clean blood. And we must find it in a, in a method, in a way that meets them where they need it. We are lucky that many of them are not in the same vein as I, who uh, prefers to track their prey down by, by hand and foot. Many of them are much easier to care for. I have done a large amount of caring for the kindred for many years. But that entire situation now is literally burned to the ground. All right. So I would need access to some Bernou, of course. And I would need some medical professionals that specialize in essentially rehabilitation for purging toxins out of a system. I think there may be avenues for us to work there. What I need is not a blood bank on wheels for you to come with. That is too much to ask. What I need is a commitment, a drive, a willingness to help build the San Francisco that every kindred can take from, each of their own accord. That would not be hard to do. That is not a yes. (laughs) You have offered me safety, yeah? And as such... This is the very least that I could do. So, of course, I would do this. Excellent. Then let us agree upon it. In our own way. I start walking towards Katerina and I begin unbuttoning my shirt. Top down, one by one, until there is no connecting fabric. And then carefully and purposely shed coat and shirt. And I'll just be looking at you because I'm not entirely sure what you're doing. If you're going to partake, then the truest 
and deepest essence of who I am rests here. I sort of point to this area on my chest. This is where you will take from. That is where, that is where you would like me to drink from. Mm. A bruja is many things, but at our core, we are passionate people. And the heart is what drives that passion. Now, sort of um, casually reach out for Katarina and try to pull her a little closer, as one might do a lover. And these hands, I sort of run my hand along her bicep up her forearm into where her wrist and hand meet. And I sort of roll her hands over a little bit and examine them. The Toreador are renowned artisans and craftsmen. Your hands, these wrists have seen fit to create wonders. I sort of pull your wrist up and not bite, but I I sort of put my lips to it just ever so slightly. And I look you in the eye and say, would this be reasonable to take from you here? And I sort of very lightly tap that inner portion of your wrist where that vein is. I just tap it very playfully with my thumb and forefinger. Are any of your fingers near the tips of my fingers at all? Oh, uh, probably. More than a few inches. Then I will definitely press the edges of your finger against my hand thoughts rolling around inside my brain and the shirt I'm wearing has the equivalent of almost cufflinks it closes at the wrist to move essentially up towards the elbow and I'll undo that and roll the sleeve up revealing a fairly slender arm and what some might perceive as a delicate wrist, but wouldn't understand just how powerful the hands are, even without vampire strength. And I won't be able to comfortably bite where you want me to. I'm a little too short for that. So with my fingers still closed on yours, but my wrist exposed, I will lead us to the bed so that I can put you in a sitting position against the headboard or the back of the wall, whichever is most accessible at the time. There's a headboard here. Fantastic. And feeling particularly forward in this moment, I will position myself almost in your lap, but move back a little so that I can maintain eye contact with you 
while I sink my teeth in just a little bit. I probably probably inhale a little bit. Just slightly. I don't need to breathe, but the exhilaration of being bit by Katerina is probably something that Marcus quite enjoys. And I'll wait until you begin to actually draw blood. Till you begin to taste that same sort of almost that deeply primal resonant blood that exists in him. All of the surging energy and and then once you've got it on your lips, I will maintain that contact, that eye contact with you up until the moment that my fangs bite into your wrist. And when you do that, every inch of my skin lights up a little bit. It's a feeling unlike anything I've ever had. And unconsciously in the process of all of this, I'll have raised up enough to keep that eye contact because there's a passion in this moment that cannot be quelled. And breaking the eye contact before all is said and done ruins the moment. And I will know unconsciously that it's not time to look away yet. And as you draw blood out of me, you'll feel a light intensity, probably, from the amount of pent-up energy that courses through my veins. Yeah, it will honestly probably be difficult to not want to feed more. But I will... I will probably just enjoy having your blood on my mouth and I'll enjoy that in the moment and not draw more but perhaps simply relish the taste find how determine how delicious you are not ever breaking eye contact and then when the time is right close the wound Make sure all is well. I was more almost entranced by everything that was happening that I didn't have the state of mind to close the wound right away. I will, because unnecessary bleeding is unnecessary, but it shows the intensity that is coursing through my veins that I didn't have the state of mind to remember to close the wound. Well, these sheets are fucked. And shall we leave it there? Seems reasonable enough to me. Thank you all for joining us for this first of our interlude series between seasons for Vampire the Masquerade. We hope you will join us for the next interlude with another Coterie member. But in the meantime, thank you and good night. <laughs>